Okay, y'all. Welcome to the Wild Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Bishop. This is the podcast for women entrepreneurs who have made a choice to show up as their best selves each and every single day. After heartache, heartbreak, rejection, lessons, and denial, we're going to pick ourselves up, wash our faces, and go back stronger, bolder, fearlessly. We're showing ourselves kindness, patience, grace, and most importantly, love. I have so much in store for y'all. This is going to be an amazing experience, and I am so glad we get to do it together. I'll see you soon. All right. Um, welcome back to the Wild Heart Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Bianca Bishop. Today, I have a very special guest with us today. I have Teresa, and you are currently in Canada, um, and you you kind of have like this big broad history. Um, for those who, you know, if we got cut off, um, you've done a lot of things um, over the last several years, um, but right now you're more so into financial coaching. So, you know, please share with us um, just a little bit about your journey and how this all started for you. Sure, okay. So, I, I mean, I think, I, and I think for a lot of people, this probably resonates is that, you know, COVID and the pandemic changed a lot of our lives in different, in yeah. different ways for me professionally and personally. But prior to me transitioning into wealth coaching and, and like money education and financial literacy, uh, I was a fashion designer. So I was um, creating, you know, baby and children's clothing and even a women's wear line that I was selling kind of globally for many years. Uh, but when COVID struck, uh, my factory in India closed and that sort of forced me to pivot into other things. Um, other things being my fallback, which is going back to practicing law, which is something I hadn't done since 2008. So it had been a huge gap between when I was uh, a lawyer. Um, and I actually, actually went to school for fashion design to get away from law essentially wow. so it was sort of like a full circle to sort of you know say goodbye to my business uh let that go and then uh transition back into a career that i thought i would never really do again um but it i had always been very interested in human rights law and i had worked overseas in some post-conflict countries for a couple of years and, and that's the kind of law that i really gravitated towards uh, and one of the reasons why I couldn't find the type of work in the legal field in Canada is because we don't suffer from those same types of types of issues. We still have our own problems, but not to the same extent as when you're working in these sort of post-conflict countries. So, um, yeah, I ended up, uh, you know, finally accepting that I needed to close my business, which was like my baby. It was really hard to do, um, but it just it just made sense it just felt like it was the right time and i and like i said on a whim i just went online looking for for jobs just to see like what's out there i wasn't looking for a legal job necessarily just jobs and this job came up working for an indigenous law firm uh helping um indigenous communities and folks who had been subject to canada's residential school system and day school system to put claims forward um under a class action settlement that had been won against the federal government uh, based on you know, physical and sexual abuse that these people had experienced uh, as, as, as children. So they're finally getting compensation. Yeah. Um, although 
it's just money. It's not as if the money really lasts or does much for them. It, it really is sort of tokenistic, I, I think. It allows the government just to say, look, we did something, you know, move on. But yeah. it gives a lot of people opportunities to sort of seek counseling and to find therapy and to find supports to help them through what they're going through. And that intergenerational trauma still exists. So bringing a lot of these stories to light um, and allowing family members to hear what had happened to some of these people. I mean, I heard stories from people who told me that, you know, at the end, like they're like they've completely broken down and they've they've told me like a stranger, you know, in this, you know, a law office exactly what happened to them when, when they were a kid. And they'll they'll say, like, I've never told anybody this story before. I'm not my partner, not my not my children, not my parents. And yeah. I think most people it was very cathartic. For a few people, I think it was just re re-traumatizing, right? But um, I ended up going back to practicing law for the last year. But in the meantime, um, and while COVID was happening, I got really into investing. And I think it was just a function of there was a huge market dip in March 2020. And all I could hear about was the stock market. And I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know anything about it. It feels like completely yeah. out of the realm of, you know, education and what I understand. But I was getting FOMO. Like I was thinking, like if I don't do this, and then, and everyone is benefiting, and I'm just on the sidelines, how am I ever going to up level my own wealth and my own like retirement plan, of which I didn't really have too much of? And I think a lot of it was just, and I and I think this goes for a lot of people. It's just intimidating. The language is intimidating. The terminology, you know, the financial system was created by men for men. Like, this white man forces white men so for us to break our way into there as women uh it's 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 really challenging it's it's it's, it's really intimidating so i had i met this before made a very poor investment decision back in 2013 or 14 lost all of it within a year and in short order and that really put me off of like financial management and personal finance in general i just felt like I need someone else to do it for me. It's not something that I'm able to handle. I don't have the, the information and I'm kind of scared of the information. So for many years up until recently, I you know, gave that responsibility over to other people, people who I thought were smarter than me, financial advisors or robo advisors or you know, you know, wealth managers. And eventually I just decided I'm not really seeing what I want to be seeing. And, and I feel like I'm just giving away all of my power to these other people. And, and I feel like there's opportunities out there I'm missing because I'm so scared. So I decided mm. COVID to just like bite the bullet, figure it out, you know, up level myself, do something about that. I can't keep living like that. I need to, you know, I have a son now too, like he's seven and I want him to see that there are, you know, you can do all of this stuff. You, if I, yeah. I, I have to practice what I preach. I keep telling him like, whatever you want to do, you can do whatever you want to learn. Let's, let's learn it. And I thought, okay, well, I, I need to sort of take some of that advice to heart myself. So I, I, I did the first thing. The first rule of, of investing is to invest in yourself. Um, and that took yeah. some bucks and it, of time and it took a lot of energy but i invested in some courses and some programs i signed up to some mastermind groups i tried to get in the right room with the right people and you know people who knew way more than than i did just so that i could learn and just ask questions and it was incredibly empowering to finally 
move my money from where it was and being managed by whomever. And I didn't even know what I was really invested in and bringing it over yeah. to my own broker account uh, and learning how to set buy limit orders and sell limit orders and seeing those go through and seeing my education actually working and feeling like this is all just mystified in a way to to make us reliant and dependent on the system and on and on men and on banks and it's not that hard and once you start you realize how many opportunities there are and that it's a lot easier than you think and it really builds your self-confidence and i feel like for me it wasn't about the money making that got me into this it was that feeling of self-determination and empowerment which made me feel like wow this had i known this information in my 20s my life situation would be a lot different and now that i have this information i feel compelled to share it with other people because it is so uplifting it, it doesn't just impact your financial life it impacts your personal life and your relationship with yourself yeah and your relationship with with others so that's kind of the short and long of of how i got to what i'm doing now my contract uh, my legal contract ended at the end of july so i've been like bullishly laser focused on just my coaching practice and working with women south asian women women of color uh pri primarily i feel like women in general need to get involved but women of color are more disadvantaged um, from the, the get-go and are investing less, are saving less, are earning less. And so it's more important for me to target the people that I want to be hanging out with and the people that I want to see up, really uplifted. Um, yeah. As a first-generation kid, like my parents are from India, I was born in Canada, and always sort of straddling those two cultures. I grew up with a lot of limiting cultural beliefs and part of my practice when i'm working with people is to look at their limiting beliefs and a lot of the cultural ones kind of are across the board you know this you know you have to work hard to make money and women aren't good with money and you need to hand that over to someone else and i mean there are so many things that we grow up with thinking because we get them from our parents who've you know gotten these ideas from their own cultures and some of them are very specific so for me working with women of color and, and, and taking that angle has been really, really important. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so since, you know, like that first investment and, you know, you kind of having like that aha moment, like after learning, you know, it wasn't as hard as I thought, or as, you know, above, you know, my own grasp, my own reach as I thought, like, what did that, like that process look like for you with learning about like investing and growing your money um like how has that process been and how long do you think it's taken you to like i guess like master the skill if you yeah. master it yeah i mean i don't know if you ever master it because the market is really all based on psychology so it changes but i think if you have the education around your risk tolerance what you're willing to um what what you're willing to put in and to get out then it's it's less about mastering investing and more about mastering yourself and and what you yeah. think you're capable of and what you're comfortable with so i think for me i took a course um and it was 
very intimidating because it, it, I, the first go I, I felt like it was a little bit over my head and then the more I got into it and the more I was practicing what I was reading and what I was learning um, and the more times I had an opportunity to sit in sort of Zoom calls with other learners and listen to those questions and ask questions and get the answers, the easier it became and, and the more exciting it became, like that kind of nervousness turned into excitement. And it did not take long. I would say it took maybe four to six months to get to a place where, where I thought I need to share this with other people because I'm at a place where it has benefited me just to such a degree and I feel so comfortable with where I'm at with it that people need to know that it doesn't so the last thing that hey. <laughs> the last thing that I heard you say was, um, you know, once you got comfortable with it, um, you just kind of felt that you needed to start like helping other people learn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if you heard this. Honestly, it didn't take more than four to six months in total to get to a place of having almost virtually no knowledge about my risk tolerance. Um, brokerage accounts, uh, trading, the stock market, uh, how to invest, like this, like the actual steps and like the process and how you go about it. I mean, you you need to assess uh, what your own risk tolerance is based on your stage of life, what your long term goals are, uh, all these different factors. You need to make sure you have a some sort of emergency fund, just like liquid money that you can pull at any time to cover, you know, a month of expenses, three months, six months. You need to have all these different things in place before you start investing. And then a lot of people, and I, I was this way too for, for many years, I thought, well, I have debt. Like, I don't think I've never not had debt since university. I feel like there's always right. some level of it, whether, whether it's, you know, a credit card or a line of credit or a business loan or whatever. And so that was also a barrier for me. I, I just thought, well, why am I investing my money when I need to pay all this other stuff off first? But I, I also okay. learned this experience that there is good debt and there is bad debt and wealthy people leverage good debt. Um, yeah. Bad debt is anything over, you know, 12% credit cards. That's like the debt you want to get rid of before you start investing. Cause you'll never keep up, keep up with that interest rate that, you know, 20 or 22%. But good debt, uh, like I have a line of credit. It's, I think the interest is like 5%, which is very low. And if yeah. you factor in, that the stock market generally increases eight to ten percent annually, and you're only paying five percent interest on your line of credit. It makes more sense to be putting your money into those investments because they're going to be growing at a more rapid rate than you trying to take everything you, you're making and putting it all towards that line of credit or whatever that you know that debt is. So, just learning what those steps are and. There's not a lot of them and they're very simple, but once you understand what the steps are to get you to the place of beginning to in invest, even that just gives you a sense of like a framework, a foundation for, for, for what people do and how to make it work for you and how to make it happen. But I'd say yeah. it doesn't take long and there, there's, there's so many people and so many resources out there to help you along that kind of route. But honestly, getting, getting into groups and like masterminding with people, I feel like you're going to hear questions that you didn't even realize were, were your questions. Uh, you just learn so much by talking to other people who are at a, a similar place and, and especially, you know, conversations with people who, who understand like 
there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes around money and you know overspending or not knowing what you're doing or not understanding if what you're doing is the right thing and getting yeah. into and talking to people and talking about it more openly with your family and friends and and, and with your, your children and making it sort of you know less taboo and making it more of a you know an open con conversation you end up learning a lot and you end up removing a lot of that shame that you might have uh by not having done things sooner it's never too late i mean they always yeah. say like in you know these investment people always say that you know the best time to invest was 20 years ago but the second best time is right now um you know all because of compounding you know the magic of com compounding uh, you put your money in, in in the market, it makes some money, and then that money starts to grow and grow and grow. Um, it's it it's a lot easier than it thinks. The hardest thing is starting, but once you start, you'll get this momentum happening where all those little wins start adding up, and it becomes addictive. When I first started investing in the stock market. I was constantly looking at stock charts and looking at companies and looking at my credit card statement to see like, you know, where am I shopping and who do I want to invest in? Because whoever I'm buying from, whoever I'm a consumer of, like that's who I should be supporting. So okay. it, it becomes before you get, first you have this fear and sort of nervousness and that, that same feeling turns into anticipation and excitement. Uh, and then with all those little wins adding up, you know, as your money starts to kind of grow and you see it working and you see that you did that and it wasn't a, because someone else had it, it's very motivating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, cause I've also like, I've done um, like, well, I do invest um, and I have like traded and things like that. So what, I guess like what type of investor would you consider yourself? Like, are you more along the lines of like long-term you know, day trading, short term, like kind of where are you on that spectrum or do you kind of do a mixture? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I'm definitely a long-term investor. That's the program that I took and, and the ideology that I, I learned for the last couple of years is really about value investing in growth stocks and, and you know, just being patient. And, you know, studies yeah. have shown that women are actually exceptional investors as compared to men because we have more patience we have more self-control and when the market is you know taking a turn and there's a dip we're less likely to panic sell um we're, we also do our research so we we don't just you know find the hottest thing that's trending and just jump in on it we'll actually think about it do some research go online ask people before we make a decision so I don't know. I think, I think there's just there's so many opportunities um, for long-term investors. But because I've been doing that a little while now, I've sort of shifted my focus into some other things. Because now, now that I have that foundation of funds that are sort of working for me by compounding monthly, yearly, I've started to look at passive income streams because. Again, I also don't want to work for someone else ever again. And my coaching business is great and I love it. But it's also in that cycle of trading time for money. And yeah. you only have so much time, right? And trading time for money, it's just, honestly, it's a scam. Like, I think we've grown up with this this idea that yeah. you you go to elementary school, you figure out what you want to do, what you're good at, you go to high school, you, you know, pare it down, you go to university, you focus on something, uh, you focus on something, hopefully it makes a lot of money, you go to grad school or master's or whatever, and you all for the purpose of getting a job to work for someone else so you can trade 
every day, all your hours for money. And it's just really, is that where, <laughs> does that, is that it? Like, like, yeah. Is that what we want to be doing? Is that how we want to live? I don't think anyone wants that. Right. So, so now, now that I have that foundation, that sort of base, um, and, and I only really need to monitor or sort of check in and adjust my portfolio maybe an hour every month. And I enjoy doing it. I do it more than that because I just like to see what's happening. But now I, I'm I'm getting I'm sort of expanding outside of the stock market into into other more uh, more interesting things like blockchain and cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. And I'm finding other people who are more professional uh, in, in the sense that that's what they've been doing for 10 or 15 years. You know, they're into like cybersecurity. They understand that stuff. Having conversations yeah. with them and learning about these other projects and these other opportunities are a bit more volatile. But there's lots of opportunities there to put a little bit of money in, watch it grow, and learn, you know, while that's happening, why that's happening. Like, what are the use cases for some of these things that are being built on the blockchain? And that's a whole other language of intimidation and learning that has to like take place but now that i've done the hard that, that first sort of challenge with you know just general investing in stocks i'm moving into these other areas and again it's very empowering i'm finding that i'm learning more and more things and i'm finding better opportunities to invest my dollars in so that i can earn passively you know and i'm actually doing an experiment for september well where i've I've researched, you know, 20 or 25 of these different projects in different, you know, some of them are crypto related, some of them are not, some of them are, you know, gold and you know, other commodities. And yeah. I've put like little pot of money into, into 10 of them. And I have my little spreadsheet. And at the end of 30 days, I'm going to see, you know, which performed the best and, you know, why did it perform the best? And is this something I can rely on for the long term? Is it just like a short term, you know, hold and then, and then get in and get out? Um, but it's 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 exciting because I just feel like I've taken the reins over of my financial future and for my family as well. And, and that's the other thing. Like I've been teaching my son a lot of this stuff. Like I've shown him, you know, this is a stock chart. These are all the candles and these are what they mean. And, you know, it's yeah. so visual. Like kids really pick it up and he loves it. You know, I opened up a a trust account for him, um, a brokerage account for him, uh, rather than saving. And I, you know, explain, you know, inflation, you're just losing your money if you put it in a savings account because you can't keep up with the rate of inflation. So let's put your money into a brokerage account. And, and you think about the companies that you're interested in, like, what do you use every day? Like, what kind of products are you really interested in? And of course, Lego, right? Like, that's his, like, that's his thing. Lego is yeah. not helpful. Lego is not publicly traded. So I said, well, how about Roblox? Like that is the future, right? Of Lego, right? It's like the next, it's the next step. So we were, we did yeah. some research there and we put in some buy limit orders and they went through super low because, you know, tech stops ha have really taken, you know, a nosedive during this, this past year. And, and now they're on the up and up. And, and for him, it's exciting to see his money grow. Like I never saw my money grow as a kid. I saw my money sitting in a jar or in a piggy bank or in a bank account. And, and for him to be able to look at a stock chart and actually look for trends and to have an understanding of what colors mean on that chart. I mean, he's only seven, but he, he gets really into it. And that makes me feel like the knowledge that I've gained over the last couple of years is going to be handed down it's not going to end with with me i'm going to be able to change the situation for him um, at a very young age and you know maybe provide him with a bit of entrepreneurial spirit at, at the same time 
and then yeah. watch take the education and go even further with that. I mean, had I known the things that I know now, you know, back, like I said, in my teens and twenties, my life situation would be completely different. And I'm going to be able to provide that for him and then see what he does with it. And that's, that's a really exciting thing. Yeah. That's what it's about too. Like, I feel like when we have kids, like, so for me, like, you know, I really took, I guess like the leap of faith to start investing in 2020 right mm -hmm. before like the pandemic hit. Like I was like, all right, Beyonce, January 1st, 2020, you know, you're going to invest. And like my first thing I think I did was Starbucks because I love some Starbucks. I drink coffee all day long, twice a day, three times a day, you know? I was like, okay, if I'm putting all this money into Starbucks, I should be getting something, you know, back out of it. So like I have it, it's still sitting there. It's not going too hot, but yeah, you know, it's something. And then um, 2021, just last year, I had a friend at the time who like introduced me to um, like a trade house like company to do more of like, um, day stock you know like just kind of like where we're trading currencies and you know trading all these things yeah and i told my son my son is 11 um so you know he is the roadblocks like lego you know that was you know like six years ago so for him now it's all about the gaming industry anything on his xbox that he can get and at first like he was like really excited right he's like what and i was like yeah man so I remember, I think he had like 11 or $12 for his, like left of his allowance. And he was like, can you invest this for me? And I was like, sure. So, you know, we, we started like investing together and it, it was like, really, it's really good. I'm really happy, you know, that he's excited about this and like, just kind of like learning about the market and he's interested in it. But then I feel like for my son, it backfired because now he knows he has money, right? So he doesn't <laughs> always want to wait on his allowance. He's just like, can I just take it out of my trading account? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> like you, you don't need it. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, um, with like our kids, you know, they're learning, they're growing and all of these things. Um, how, I guess, like, do you kind of like teach your son just being responsible with his money? Yeah. And I think it's different for every kid. I mean, kids are just predisposed to certain things. I think also for my son, he was always kind of a saver. And I don't know where that came from. It must have been trickled down from his parents. Like in front of I don't know exactly how, but he was always just hoarding his money in, in like his wallet. He has like this little car wallet and he just puts it, puts it in there. And, and I would ask him like, oh, well, what do you, you know, what do you want to do with that? Do you, do you want to, are you saving for something like a bigger purchase? Is there something that you're interested in? And he would just say, no, I just, I'm just gonna, I just want to hang on to it. I'm like, okay, fine. And then when I was teaching him about, you know, better places to keep it, um, that kind of opened up the conversation. I, I never really needed to talk too much about, um, I guess, you know, saving or overspending or, or, you know, what to focus your money on if you have it. He was always kind of just uh, frugal. He's always been very frugal for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, but I don't know where that came from, which is great. But uh, it's it's funny though, because he, you know, when he's on the iPad, he plays these these games where you get coins or you get tickets or you get things. And he tends not to have any problem over on those apps, you know, spending a thousand tickets or something on something. But the games have been interesting because they've actually taught him that 
yeah, you want all this stuff, but you you need to you need you need to kind of put in some energy, put in some some effort through the game to earn those those things. And so I think he's learned like it doesn't just come, it doesn't just happen. Like you you need to yeah. exchange your value for something. So he needs to exchange his his effort and his energy in order to get those tickets to buy those fun those those, those fun things. And I think some of those games have really trained him in that sense that you know you don't just start off with 100 tickets like you you start from ground zero and you got to put in yeah. uh you know some of that time to really get that back but yeah he hasn't really um i mean and he's seven there's many years of of uh, to come i mean there's just not a lot of things that he really wants right now but i think as he ages yeah. that's probably going to change uh and then we'll have to be more um I guess intentional ab about talking about you know value and like how we spend and why we spend and and the the reasons behind that and like the, the psychology of spending and things like that. But for now, it seems pretty um, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty tied up there. <laughs> yeah. So um, as a part of like your coaching, um, you know, for financial coaching, is this a part of it? Like, do you help? like women with how to invest you know or kind of give them like a a guide on how to invest what to invest in and things like that yeah i mean ultimately i what i what i want to do is give the information in a cohesive culturally relevant you know tidy ground to earth uh, down to earth approach uh so that it, it doesn't feel so so scary, but I want to empower the people that I work with to make their own choices based on who they are and what their goals are. So my goal isn't to tell you, you know, these are the stocks or, you know, these are the ETFs or these are, you know, the places. I provide all the information. I give a lot of reasonings behind why, why I do things. Like, you know, I have yeah. a medium risk tolerance. Because, but um, um, You just uh, were saying that you, you kind of empower women, you know, on like what to do. You give your reasoning behind what it is that you do. Yeah. So I start with the foundation. So first of all, we just talk about, you know, why why people invest like what's the purpose of it what's the what's the reason behind it what it can do for you versus what you're doing right now and i always like to start with uh it's what's called a fire number it's the it stands for financial independence retire early because i feel like yeah. it's aspirational it tells you what you need to have annually when you retire so that you can figure out what that what the number is that you want your portfolio to be um, and sometimes it might sound really high and it's a little bit, it's a little bit like, oh, wow, really? Like, can I, can I get there? But it's a nice goal to have, have in mind when you're looking at all of the, all of the different, um, like essentials that come behind it. So the foundational stuff I think comes first and even just myths, like myths about, you know, debt and like myths about, you know, what's, what you're capable of doing, what you should have someone else do for you um and even just the limiting belief stuff like i think mindset you know that whole piece of you know you invest in yourself first in order to invest out there in the world with actual money and if you don't have the right mindset even if you get a lot of money you're not going to be able to keep it like you're, you're the money flows to you in the same energy that you received it right like it 
it goes it goes out with joy it's going to come back to you with, with joy if it goes out like really contracted and stressed and full of fear it's likely going to come back in the same way and it's going to be harder to hang on to so i'd like to really start foundationally with with the mind and kind of you know what your beliefs are why you think like that whether it's serving you whether it's not serving you and how we can change that so i know a lot of when they come to me they want to kind of skip that they want to just go straight to like the money making so right. i let touch on it and then keep coming back to it as we're going along in sessions because we i want to see that mindset kind of shift and to, and that whole empowerment piece is like a really big part of it um but really it's 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 starting with the basics understanding where you're at where you want to get to um setting yourself up so that whatever happens in life you're prepared to handle it and then moving into the strategies and I'll, i you know we go through a huge laundry list of like common stocks dividend stocks real estate investment trusts uh, bonds and like all the all, you know all the sort of etfs all the basic kind of investing like modules and then and then we move into the more sort of interesting things that are not necessarily related to the stock market like there's fine art there's like luxury goods there's there's even things now like small batch whiskey uh, there's all kinds wow. of interesting opportunities out there that give returns that are better than the stock market but you just need to know about them um yeah. and as i said then we we we, we go through a, a pretty big section on like uh cryptocurrency and what it is and how it is and you know i used to think it was just imagination like this doesn't exist like it's not real <laughs> until i understood the use cases like the problems that it's solving and if it's something that's been created to solve a problem it's most likely going to be here to stay and since we have yeah. so many you know governments and institutions and banks buying up all of these cryptocurrency companies and all of these tokens you know that it's here uh, it's not going anywhere so to get up to speed on that and the whole world of decentralized finance which i'm still learning but as i'm going i'm collecting as much information as i can to kind of convey to uh, to other people and me having invested in all of these projects for the month just sort of pilot it just to test it out is helping me yeah. understand more and more about it and where the risks are like where the scams are where the rug pulls are and where the real opportunities are so i i like to start you know like pretty basic um terminology language and then just move on from from there and depending on the person i mean some people already have a, a bit of background and they just want to get more some people are starting yeah. from like ground zero and they just need to understand like what is an exchange traded fund what does that mean you know you starting with just the very like simple terms um but yeah it, i think once we get to a certain point where everything is understood then it's about well what do you want to do like how do you want to build your portfolio like let's talk about that like how do, how do you want to allocate your funds you know and you know based on your your risk tolerance i i, I would give suggestions on the basis of what i'm doing or on the basis of what other people i i know who i trust what what they're doing um but ultimately it's it's a very personal decision and what i'm finding now more and more is that people are getting more interested in socially conscious in in investing strategies and that's something that that's really close to my heart so i've been um deep diving into things like um socially responsible investing um esg factors which are uh, environmental 
social and governance factors that you're looking at when you're assessing a certain company to see if they're in line with your values because really when we're when we're taking our dollars and we're buying in a, you know, a share of a company or or a, sh a share of an some etf or something you're 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 voting for that company you're you're using your dollars to vote for your values so yeah. i'm fine more people and especially women are, are interested in making sure that their money is being put into places that they can support so rather than you know de defense or weapons or tobacco or gambling like they're looking for sustainability issues and companies that are promoting um, diversity and, and equality so that's another area that I'd like to touch on um, and uh, you know there's also this sort of myth that in voting um, so the last thing I heard, um, you were talking, you were about to get into like something about a myth. Uh, oh, just that uh, there, I think there's a, a widely held myth that socially conscious investing or sustainable investing is less lucrative. Um, but that's entirely not, not the case. Like if you're voting for your values and you're investing in companies that are doing good as well as making a profit, I mean, if, if you're doing that and people are looking for that, that there's more people out there that are looking for that for that same thing. And those are the types of companies, companies that are solving a problem, they're are doing something good in the world, that are helping people, that are combating um, sustainability issues or fighting for so long term. So as a value investor, as a growth investor, those are the kind of things that I, I would be looking at. Awesome. So for like uh, with your programs, um, how long like do your coaching packages go? Like are they like two months? Because it's a lot of information, right? And just like you said, like financial yeah. things are like daunting. It's just like, like, you know, what is this, this thing? So like how long does it take like from start to finish to where your clients feel comfortable kind of like flying solo? I think, well, what my most popular package is, is 10 sessions. And, uh, but uh, it doesn't take the 10 sessions to get to a place where, where you're flying solo. Like you can probably, I'd say most people will get there within four sessions because while we're going through the sessions, we're taking those steps to get to the next step. So, you know, not just learning about investing, but like, how do you open a brokerage account? How do you choose a brokerage account? Um, how do you move your funds from your bank account to a brokerage account? And then what's, once they're in there, how do you choose stocks? Uh, so w while we're going through this process of learning, we're actually doing, so it, hey. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, the my most popular packages are ten sessions, but like I said, it only takes three or four to get to a place where you're actually doing and you're doing it on your own. It's just that throughout the rest of the sessions, you're doing more and more, and you're building that confidence, and you're finding more opportunities, and and that also gives them an opportunity to ask a lot of questions and to sort of figure out for their own strategy what their path is is going to be, and then they have someone like myself to call on. Uh, and I mean, I don't pretend to know all the answers. I don't know everything. I'm not a financial advisor. You know, I'm, 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 I'm an educator. And so if I don't have the answer, 
we'll we'll leave the session and by the next week I will have it because I'm fortunate to have a network of you know savvy investors and professionals that I mastermind with through my own coaching but even I have a coach I mean everyone needs a coach it doesn't matter what stage or what level you are at so I have a coach I would go to her or to other people and find those answers for my client um, because there's just so much information out there I, I can't know everything but as long as I know where to find it, I can I can definitely help. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness, what was I about to say? I hate that. Like when you have the question and then it just like it's gone. Um, <laughs> wow, that's really gone. Okay. Um, <laughs> um so just with like so when you like first started right because you went to law school um like you just had just really a huge shift you know you you did law and I feel like you said you're still doing law right indigenous law I I went back to it for one year from September of last year until the end of July yeah so I it was sort of and really it just kind of very recent it just i kind of fell back into it be because of closing my other business um but i have no plans to go back to uh to practicing like i don't regret it i learned a ton and i've had some in incredible work experiences but i'm i think i'm just the kind of person who likes to work for themselves like i really just thrive off of that yeah it's, it's definitely one of those like when you know you know like when you get that taste of it and you know you kind of go through these different hurdles and challenges that you go through in entrepreneurship and you feel like I can actually do this. It's yeah. like a different ball game. And when you know that you're going to create your own, like there's no stop, you know, there's no wall or no ceiling. You no just, ceiling. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so did you like, did you think this is where you would have ended? Cause I know you said you love fashion and because of the pandemic, you know, the factory, it closed, but if that didn't happen, do you think that you would have still ended up where you are right now as a financial coach and advisor or that's not a, an advisor but educator that's a that's a good question i yeah i don't i don't know i feel like um that that entrepreneurial adventure that i had in fashion may have already run its course a few years back but i was sort of prolonging it because that's what i knew that's what i was doing i didn't have a plan b i was forced into a plan b um but what happened was i came to i found something that i loved and i never returned to finance honestly it's not the kind of thing that whenever i was ever like if my parents told me in high school they wanted me to go into finance um i would have been like no i mean i don't understand it i'm trying to do math again you don't need to know any math to be good at it at all but you know i wanted to go to art school and then they kind of funneled me into you know undergrad i did psychology and development studies and then i didn't know what to do and my dad said well you can't do nothing you know i wanted to take a year off and he said you're gonna go to law school and he you know he made me apply to like every law school in canada um but it's funny because now I'm doing something that I think had I done 20 years ago, my, my, my family would have been very supportive and we would have been very excited about it, but it's not something I ever would have pictured for myself. Um, and it, it, and again, it wasn't necessarily the content that grabbed me. It was, it was 
it was the feelings that I generated as a result of being able to take control of my life financially and that that trickle down effect it has in, in all the other areas of life. But had my factory not closed and if the business was still sort of chugging along, I probably would have kept it going. But I knew even a year or two ago before the pandemic that I was feeling like there was a bit of a plateau. Like I kind of felt like I'm not learning as much as I was learning before. Like I feel like I figured out a lot of the business in a way that I hadn't a few years ago. And it started to feel way less satisfying, way less fulfilling because it felt like it was just for me and my family, yeah. but I, I wasn't contributing in a broader sense. I didn't think I was bringing a lot of value out there in the world. And that started to really gnaw away at, at, at me. So when that position to work for an Indigenous law firm came up, that gripped me in large part because I felt like that sounds rewarding. That sounds really, you know, satisfying in my heart. And that's what I had yeah. been missing like year year by by year doing um something else like doing my own business in fashion I, I i learned a lot about business and i'll never i mean i'll have that with me for forever but the the idea of being able to contribute um that that was really missing and i feel like this feels right like it just feels like energetically like spiritually and physically this is what i'm supposed to be to be doing and and I'm loving it. Like I'm loving every moment of it. All the conversations I'm having with people, my, the friends and, and the women in my network that I'm, I'm able to help, and to hear from them that they are they are empowered, that they feel empowered now. And I mean, I had a friend call me the other day in the morning um, to say that she woke up thinking about um, companies to invest in. And she's really interested in uh, insect stocks, like insect as an alternative food source, which I guess that's a thing happening. I don't know anything about it. And so we were online like <laughs> in the morning, like I'm in bed, it's like 7.30 and she's sending me like companies and ETFs and stocks that that are related to, to this. And I'm like, she even said, like, you've created a monster. Like, I don't even know where all this is coming from all of a sudden, but I'm super excited about it. So to inspire that in in other people is it, that just feels like I want more of that. I want to keep doing this and see how far I can actually take it. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, you just shocked me with the insect food <laughs> market. I'm just like, what? Like, that's a thing. Like, I'm like, I kind of Google that. Like, I'm just yeah, like... like things that you're interested in, things that you love because you know what the market's going to go up and down no matter what and if you invest in something no that what. you really believe in you'll be less emotional about it when it starts to do those you know ebbs ebbs and flows because you believe in it and you know it's going to yeah. be there it's just something someone said you should do this thing you're going to panic when when things start to take a turn you know and and then you just become more invested like physically like you take ownership over your portfolio you feel like it's yours you created it there's 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 something yeah. just, that just compels you more and you just feel more more at ease and even though i still make mistakes here and there maybe i'll invest in something and i don't know whether it's going to go up up or down but maybe if I, I i do and i find out that i made a mistake uh i feel less I don't feel as bad about it because I feel like, well, I had all the information in front of me at the time to make that decision. And I made the best decision that I could at the time. And I know that I did. I'm confident about that. So 
even though things didn't work out the way I thought, I'm not confused. I know why it happened yeah. and feel like I can still move forward and look at other investments and still feel uh, motivated and sure of myself rather than feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing. This doesn't make any sense. You know? Got you. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So what, like, what are some of the next things um, that maybe you want to offer like along um, your coaching journey, um, like for your clients, like what are some of the other things that you yeah. feel like you're doing exactly what you want to do? So besides uh, the coaching packages and the sessions that I'm doing, I am currently working on a and, you know, oh, can you hear me? A little bit. You kind of cut out. So you said you're currently working on a, but I didn't hear what it was. I'm, I'm working on a course. So I'm putting together a course that is going to be significantly more detailed um, than just the coaching for the, for the long term. So there's going to be, you know, multiple categories and, and, and modules of things that maybe I don't always cover in the coaching because it's not as relevant, but it's going to be more yeah. complete. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. I've actually enrolled in a certification program. It's called the trauma of money. And they look at really important things like the racial wealth gap and looking at money from the lens of marginalized communities and people of color. And I feel like with the mindset, I want to bring in a lot of those um, more therapeutic techniques into the coaching. So there's a there's a there's a balance between not just the practical nuts and bolts of like the stock market, but there's also the balance of like you as an individual, your relationship to money and how to cultivate that. So I'm working on that. I'm also working on a book that's more of a long-term project. Um, and a lot of it is going to be personal experience and then the sort of journey that I'm kind of on. Um, you know, my family and I are moving back to India at the end of the year. Uh, and a lot of that large part because we've I've, I've managed to get us into a financial position that that is going to be possible, not just for the winter, but for more you know longer stretches of time on a more, more permanent kind of basis. So I guess documenting that journey from where I came to where I'm going and being able to provide people with these strategies. Uh, and I think lastly, you know, now that I've I'm finally am diving into these passive income streams strategies. Uh, and I know so many people have been asking me, like friends, about these projects and things. I feel like that is also an offering that I want to be able to provide to people. Once I'm confident that what I've done yeah. is sustainable and low risk and provides the rewards that we we all kind of are looking for, then I want to be able to pre present those. So I have a Facebook group and I feel like I haven't been very active there yet. But what I want to do is use that as a platform to sharing what my strategies have been, what have what, what have I lost? What have I won? What have I gained? Uh, how do I feel about the project? If you're interested, let me know and I'll, I'll help you get into that too. So those are some of the areas that I'm sort of branching off into. It's, it's definitely going to be a, a work in progress, especially as we're making this move from Canada to uh, to India. Things are going to kind of be up, up in the air. But there's a lot yeah. of good things happening. A lot of good things happening. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm excited for you too. Like this, this episode... Even though we've had like a lot of technical difficulties, but I still feel like this um, this is a really good episode. Um, this is, I think, my first like financial piece. Uh oh, I think we're can you hear no. me? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, like I learned a lot, um, 
and just kind of like I didn't I never like even though like you know I am also like learning to be like a coach you know more so working with like friends and family right now just as I build upon things um and just getting like my certification like I had no idea that's this is kind of how like financial coaching could look um I don't know what I thought it was um so I'm just like wow like I really learned a lot like with this one um and I just appreciate you coming on and just you know sharing exactly what it is that you do and you know just your transition and your story of you know kind of like you know where you are today and where things you know are going um I appreciate you just I think this has been really amazing Oh, thank you so much. No, I was so excited about coming on here and, and being able not just to share, but just to meet you and to have this conversation. And like, I, I just, I, I think I'm still at that point of just anticipation about this whole journey and, and being able to talk about it and, and to, to kind of get more women excited that, you know, they yeah. can do this stuff and, and they can do it successfully. And there's people out there who will support them. It's just an, it's an exciting thing. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. And like, you know, like chatting with you, like still on like social media and stuff like that. Like I'm just excited. I love like your, like your funny posts that you put up, like on just like your Instagram about like just different things, financial things. So I always like, I love like comedy and just, you know, lightheartedness. Like I feel like it's needed. Um, and especially in finances, like you'll go oh. crazy, you know, if it's, <laughs> If you're yeah. too like hard, too serious, you know, all the time. It's a very serious topic, and you can you can I don't know you could just zone out really quickly because of the language. So I'm trying yeah. to make it a, a bit more relatable and bring in a little bit of humor because we at the end of the day we it's just life. Like we we have to be able to laugh at all this stuff and like our, our own shortcomings and you know our our ability to figure it out um i think be able to to share that we all come from that same foundation of like not knowing um but yeah. to see what's possible, you know what what is possible there's there's a lot of yeah there's a lot there anyway i appreciate that thank you oh of course and then um where can people like find you social media find your business page and i'll also make sure i link it but just you know so people hear from you as well yeah so right now uh, instagram is the best place to find me my website is going through like an update so it'll be live again in probably 10 days but that's um higherselfmade.ca www.higherselfmade.ca so you won't see anything there yet but uh i'm working on it that's what i'm doing the rest of the week <laughs> and next weekend. I get it getting that I had to update things because I'm you know moving away from the not move I'm not moving away from the life coach I'm still incorporating the life coaching into the wealth coaching but I, I feel like it's a bit more niche now and the website yeah. and the approach needs to needs to put that like front and center so yeah those are yeah, and Instagram. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do more on Facebook. It's just there's a lot, and I'm trying to do TikTok. But I'm like, you know what? Let me just do Instagram really well, <laughs> and then yeah, like. I feel like it's okay to focus on like one solid platform, you know, outside of like your your main course, your website or whatever. Like your website, yes, that's important, um, but it, it's hard like to spread yourself thin across <laughs> multiple platforms. Like it's a lot. Like it's so much work. So. I are always just 
repurpose your post, just repost on all the different, but to repurpose on Instagram, it has to be a video and to repurpose on Facebook, a lot of the same people are following me. It's like, you're <laughs> the other great thing about going to India is that I'm going to have so, my internet is going to be so much better. <laughs> it's been, no, a, it's so, it's, it's, it's been, it's a, been, I, it's been a struggle, but like I feel like we made it work. Um, oh, I was so yeah. bummed though. Like that first like ten minutes, I felt like I was like, it's not there. I was like, and I had a moment. I was like, okay, Bianca, it's gonna be okay. We're just gonna <laughs> move through that. Turn on the double feature, and we're gonna be okay. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you again, you know, for coming on and you know dedicating some time to this. I really appreciate it. Um, like I'll be on Instagram soon and like, I'll mess, you know, we'll continue like messaging and stuff. And then I'll also like, let you know, um, your release date. Um, I've been trying to get all of this stuff in order since this is all still so new. Um, so like I finally, I feel like I have like a process and a system in place. So nice. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then, um, I will too soon that sounds great i'll i'll see you on social media and uh, we'll just keep in touch and take it from there and good luck with most of your interviews today i'm sure that's a you got a full a, agenda ahead of you but it's it seems like oh, you got, yeah. got it all so yeah <laughs> the good thing is i like talking so you know it helps so yeah <laughs> <laughs> right on well it was great to meet you so we'll just keep in great touch too um, yeah Right on. All right. Bye. <laughs>thanks so much for tuning in to the Wild Heart Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to like, share, download, subscribe, and everything in between. Until next time.